you're listening to the sound of my voice. Hello, everybody. This is Unplugged. I'm your host, D'Angelo Valentine. And today we are talking about mental illness, not mental health, but mental illness. And a lot of people don't really understand what it is between the two and why mental illness, I would always consider it as a state of emergency, always. And today, I have a very special guest, Elijah Marie Reed, who's going to come here and just break it down for us and talk about her own personal experience and also give us resources where we can understand what mental illness is, how can we conquer it, how can we deal with it, and also she's going to bring a spiritual component with it on it as well. Thank you, D'Angelo. Uh, it's such a pleasure in being here. My passion interest is disability, equity, and kindness. I'm a part-time student at the University of Toronto. I am a human rights, mental health, wellness, and tenant rights activist. The power of knowledge is the new revolution for change and to build healthier communities. Self-indulged negativities such as fear, the mystery of therapy or professional support is not an option to be exercised. It's so important to get the help you need. I mentor individuals. I am a scriptural applicability doer of the word Christian. I am a life coach. I support those who has a mental health uniqueness by providing them with the tools to bring them to the next level. My coaching includes issues of life and lived experiences perspective which can impact our quality of life what is mental illness according to the who health organization mental health disorders comprise as a broad range of problems with different symptoms however they generally crack characterized by some combination of abnormal thoughts emotions, behavior, and relationships with others. Examples are schizophrenia, depression, intellectual disability, and disorders due to drug abuse. Most of these disorders can be successfully treated. Mental health is not black and white. Everyone um, is directly or vicariously impacted by mental health illnesses. This is going to be a very interesting topic to talk about because we have a lot to unpack today. And I know today with the fire that you're bringing and talking about mental illness and breaking it down. And I know that you're going to talk about uh, a few of the um, other things that go along with it. If you're an individual who has like a friend or a family member that's dealing with it, what can you do in regards to helping a person in crisis? I think if you're helping someone who's in crisis, number one, be careful of the words you're speaking over their lives. And two, you know what, in order for you to be an excellent support, it's really important that you listen without making any kind of judgment. And you ask them what kind of help do they need? Because oftentimes people know what kind, what they need, and they just need help to sort of go through those layers of it, avoid consultation for sure, and um, encourage them to seek the professional help that they may need during their crisis. Um, I think the one point that I wanted to bring up, in case, in, in cases where, you know, 
a parent, for example, have to call the police. It's really important that you relay the message when you call 911, for example, or anyone that I want a supervisor to show up along with the police. And if they do have a mental health crisis uh, team, you want those teams to be present to support your loved ones during, you know, whatever is going on. And it's really important because oftentimes, you know, we do call 911 and, you know, the police arrives and immediately we open the door. No, you close that door and wait for them to come with the supervisor so that there's somebody supervising the police officers and also um, the team, right? Because you want to make sure that your loved one is safe. For those who are listening, my understanding when it comes to the, in the city of Toronto, we have something, the mobile crisis intervention unit. So Mm -hmm. if you, or if somebody that you know is going through a mental health crisis, don't just call 911 and just say like, yes, I'm going through this. No, ask for a, like a, a mobile crisis intervention unit. So that yes. unit is not a regular police unit. It's a, it's a police accompanied with a nurse and they will show up on scene and they will check the individual first. And then the nurse will go in to clarify what's going on. And then mm-hmm. it, in the state of what's going on, they will deem from there. If the person needs to be brought in. And I believe it's a form one under the, Ontario Mental Health Act mm-hmm. uh, to the hospital and then be admitted there immediately. That's correct. Um, I think the other point I want to make, it is a mental health illness. It has nothing to do with a criminal situation to warrant the police to show up in uniform to be a trigger to our loved ones, right? Because we know that we have... Um, they are there's negative association in you know interaction with police officers. So it's really important that we understand that um, it's absolutely nothing different from you know interacting with the police. So just think about it for one moment to be heightened now that you're sick. And so we really need to be mindful of that. Why does mental illness have such a great stigma? Why is there a lack of social education of the stigma? treatment support networks in order to take on this issue okay well the stigma is a you know negative stereotype and discrimination is the behavior that result from the negative stereotype um often times like individuals with mental health they face they're faced with multiple multiple intersectional um layers of discrimination as a result of their mental illnesses and you know their identity these stigmas are very um it varies and so the one thing that it has in common with the stigma it's like there's an undertone or of human rights violation right and for example the other stigma why it's so negative, especially to someone who may have a mental health illness. It's like, for example, if they're applying for, let's say, life insurance, right? There is benefit now segregation because they can't apply because it's a pre-existing condition. And so it just, the list just goes on. And um, it's so important for us to treat 
people who have mental health illnesses as human beings, not the illness. So they're a human being first, and I think a lot of times we forget. And not only that, they are very socially isolated, right? Because nobody wants to hang out with them, right? They're, they don't get invited to the birthday parties or, or going out, you know, or having picnics. They don't because people, they, they know that they're unpredictable. And so because they don't want to deal with that behavior or an episode, let's say, Right. With, you know, they just don't get invited. So the stigma, it's there's a whole list of it. And it's 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 unacceptable for society to treat any human being that way. I know that in, a, in this day and age that we're now more aware of it. Mm-hmm. It's now creating that tide of change. That's that, that tsunami of change. And one of the things that always bothers me is that, OK, because we're aware of it we always use the awareness as an excuse Mm. and it bothers me a lot because i look at okay there's the saying talking about crabs in the bucket right (laughs) but little do we know is that all of us instead of working as individuals we can lock arms and use our weight to knock over the bucket and and that's the thing that you know, it, it bothers me so much that we don't understand is that we have a lot of power, yes. but we don't know that we're, we can use that power, right? It's just like how your, your heart, right? So whenever you go in under a cardiac arrest, right, there's something called fibrillation. Right. Fibrillation is when the heart cannot beat properly in mm-hmm. sync, Right. So what do you have to use? You have to either do CPR or use a defibrillator. So us as black people, we have to create a defibrillator in order for us to work into sync. And the only way that can do that, and I've been saying this amongst peers, family members, and stuff like that, is that in order for us to get to that point, we have to start with our individual healing processes. Yes. And therapy is and, and I tell everybody therapy is only one tool in the right. Swiss army knife of healing. And the thing is yes. you're not supposed to just go there when something's wrong. And right. I I had a, a, a guest previously on my podcast who has her own therapist and her therapist told her, I noticed something that's very strange in the West where people only go to their therapist when something's wrong. Right? Wow. When us, like how the way that we should supposed to go about it, we're supposed to go about it and nip certain things in a bud right away. Because if we can nip it in a bud right away, it's easy to fix. When my own brother was diagnosed, he was diagnosed with the schizophrenia at the age of 19, the year 1984. It's, and, and, and later on, he was reassessed and re-diagnosed and it was now bipolar. And so a lot of the times is, is that, especially for a black men or, or even females too, we have to have an advocate, find a nurse in your community, find a nurse where they can support you and you can ask questions because you need to be on top of it. I also had a friend that um, her mom was put into a, a, you know, the psychiatric ward 
And she was really insistent to get her tested to have a brain scan. A brain scan came back that she was vitamin B1 deficient. And then they put her up. They, she was all hooked up already on all kinds of psychotic drugs. They had to now wean her off. And so we have to be very careful that we explore the all aspects of everything. And you have to advocate for your loved ones. It's crucial. It's important. You've got to fight for them. You've got to fight to be heard. And if nobody's going to listen to you, start writing. Because you have a right to protect and defend your loved ones, especially when they're very vulnerable. I remember being there and one person will be like, you know, we don't care what happens to him after the fact, mm -hmm. right? Here's a paper with all the resources. That's it. But then there was another gentleman that was there who was ex-military. He was of... Uh, from a Caucasian background, obviously. And um, he was allowed to get a pass to leave for a few hours, come back. He was even allowed to have a visitor come in who was currently joining the military and he was going to brief them on how to do, it was like some sort of uh, rifle exercise, how to understand a particular type of a firearm. And was also given resources for a halfway house. I'm just saying uh, the way that it is of how the way that I saw it and I couldn't believe my own eyes. And I'm just like, so why is there this kind of preferential treatment that's happening? But in order for us to have better treatment, just like you said, we have to advocate for it mm -hmm. because if we don't advocate for it, then we're not going to get it. And this is one of the things that I tell a lot of our own people is mm -hmm. that if you don't do that stuff, you know, the government's going to make the choice right. for us. Right. And especially what's going on. Like, so I know you and I both know about what's happening right now where they just approved for the holiday for Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm like, okay, so you now approve for Juneteenth. Well, what about the reparations? Right. But here's also the problem, too, is that the reason why we can't get the reparations is because we're not going about it the right way to get it. It's, you know, it's so important. Again, back, why does mental health, you know, affect Black people more? Well, the real issue is, is that we are socialized and taught and we're also trained what happens in the house stays in the house, right? Um, we see that we see things going on, but we do not know how to ask these questions. And not only that, we see what our loved ones are going through, but we wouldn't dare, um, you know, investigate because illnesses within the Black community is somewhat private. It's not shared and it's not explained. So getting help is a sign of weakness, Um it's not, you know, it looks like it's, you know, it's a sign of weakness, but it's not. It's a sign of strength. Getting help is a sign of strength. Therefore, accessing a therapist is, you know, for white folks, you know, some of us, we think that way. And for some people of color, we have a dysfunctional relationship with trust, control, and to take responsibility for our medical and even our healing journey. 
And so we really have to figure out how to address us or self because it is, it, you know, when we address self, we're able to heal the nation. And the reason why some of us are going around is because we've got too much perception, you know, which is very, it's almost like it's a self-deceive and defeat. And so we have to really be careful where, you know, scripture tells us we've got to cast down imagination that exalt itself against even truth and, you know, against God. And it's, so it's so important that when these negativities come up, we cast them down. The reason why, because we don't want it to be set and then cement us into an ideology that is not working for us. I can attest for myself, if I go back 20, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. talking about mental health or you're depressed about something was widely unacceptable it was always kept hush hush um something hap something that was traumatic that happened to you had to be kept on a low and especially as a black male right that's enforced even more because it's like no you're not supposed to cry or you're not supposed to have feelings for certain things or you're not supposed to express yourself this way mm -hmm. you don't have nope you're not allowed to do that right and then as men what happens is this because we're not able to express ourselves properly because we didn't learn how to do it properly we do a lot of damage to ourselves right. and people that are around us and hence you have like the bad apple theory because we spoil mm -hmm. everybody else we damage everybody else and it's a repeated cycle well it's interesting because you know i have two boys two men now wow getting up there in age and um because i was raised in a very restrictive family i was like totally free with my kids and one of the things that i would tell my son it's okay you don't need to like me every day but you know i love you you know and so correction we have to correct our children in love we have to give them the voice to express, I'm not happy with you, mom. I'm very sad with you. And once we start to train them, we are now developing a new mapping for their own mental health so that when they express, they're not timid, they're not shy, they have to be open. And what happens within most families, it's like kids get shut down, especially like within um, within our community, the black community. And so we don't ask questions, but it's important to teach our children to ask questions. I've seen people who've had their outbursts and stuff like that, and I never understood. And some people say, you know, you know, I said that person, I'm not somebody, you know. But they're cray cray. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you then know? you start going through it yourself and you're just like, oh. Um, oh my goodness. Oh, Okay. You know, and um, there was times where I did not want to openly talk about it because I was in the fear of being judged. Right. But until it was last year. Yeah, last year. Because when I went to your uh, workshop, your workshop I actually got to openly talk about it and what I went through. And also answer some questions. And also a couple of weeks ago at the church that I currently attend, 
I also got to talk a little bit more in depth of each episode and how my life was corrected from it. Mm. And, um, you know, for anybody that's listening, you know, if you are listening to the sound of my voice right now, and if you are feeling that you're wanting to take your life, don't do it because, and I'm not just saying this to say it, I'm saying that there's so much more value that your life brings, Mm -hmm. not just for yourself, but for other people. And I'm testifying here, God saved my life. And I'll tell you this, like, I remember the, the final time that I was trying to take my own life. It just didn't happen. It didn't happen. So don't, don't do it because there's so much that God has in store for you. There's so much that God has planned for you because your life is not for you. It's actually to save somebody else's or several individuals, right? Your life has purpose and meaning. You may not understand what, what I'm telling you right now, but you eventually get it, but just don't do it. And I know Elijah Marie, you also have uh, a little bit of what you've experienced that, you know, you don't mind sharing a little bit as well. Wow, this is my first time publicly, you know. Um, so back in 2009, I was going through depression um, during my marriage. And the, what triggered it off for me was that I, um, my husband had committed adultery. And so it left me feeling unworthy, not enough not good enough and ugly. And I remember one time I was in, um, I just got off the train at Sinclair West Subway. And um, as I was walking, it's almost like something was telling me to jump, jump. There's nothing to really live for. And I literally heard the voice of God saying, don't do it because if you do do it, you're going to destroy my son, Neil. You're going to destroy your son. And so I went home. I didn't even leave my house for a whole month. My friends were calling me down and everything else. But the one thing I want to say, it's only a season. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to that voice. I mean, it was so loud. It drowned out my voice, my reasoning within my body. And so it's so important to ask for help, you know. And sometimes you really don't know you need help. And I really didn't know I need help. I just thought, you know, I was, I thought it was my fault this was happening to me. And I was ashamed to talk about it, like really ashamed. Um, but um, it's just, I think within the last year I'm talking about and expressing how I feel and sharing with people and people are just so shocked. Um, it's really interesting because I also, um, you know, Today, the first time I'm just going to own my own truth. I also suffer from anxiety, you know, and that, you know, that's as a result of feeling inadequate and everything else, right? Um, But one thing I can say is having a relationship with God, it's, (laughs) it cured and it's the answer for me. I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody else, but it became the antidote for my own recovery, I have not seen a therapist, right? During that time, it was just me and God booking myself in 
in the hospital of God and have him recover me. But I'm just saying that that's what worked for me. And because of that, it's such an honor to share that experience here live. Oh my goodness, in a public space. A lot of people need to know mm -hmm. about our individual stories. Right. So we're not here to come and just say like, hey, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that. And this is the resources mm -hmm. that you need to take on. And, and you need to know, like you're listening to people who've actually personally gone through it and we're living and walking testimonies. Yes. Right. So you're hearing our voices and we're telling you, hey, if you're going through something, don't whatever you do, don't take the route of suicide. Yes. Don't take the route of harming yourself. Take the time to actually call upon God. And also there's resources there yes. that can help you. Like, don't be ashamed that, you know, you have to admit, like admit yourself at the hospital, check in at the hospital to get mm -hmm. help. And for those who live in the city of Toronto, there are several hospitals that uh, they actually, there's five of them in the city that um, have very good mental health programs. Number one is CAMH. CAMH is located right on Spadina, Spadina, near Spadina and College. Mm -hmm. um, in the West End, if you are uh, in the West End, there is the Humber River Hospital that's located at Keelan 401. If you're in Etobicoke, there is um, Etobicoke General as well. And I know, uh, I think it's um, Scarborough General as well has a, mm -hmm. a unit as well. Um, there's a few other hospitals that I haven't mentioned of, but those are the ones that I know. But uh, if you are... Uh, in Central, though, you can go to CAMH. CAMH has an inpatient program. There's also an outpatient program. So there's mm -hmm. other resources that are there that can help you. And also another thing, too, is that a lot of people think that therapy is something that's so esoteric and so expensive. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry for you guys that you think that way, but no, it's, it's yeah. actually not. Um, there are a lot of free resources, group therapy that mm -hmm. can also help as well. There's also Christian therapists at maybe at your local church or Christian counseling that you can also get. And also, if you work at a job that has benefits, yes. did you know that you can actually up your benefits and your benefits can actually pay for your therapy? So it's not like there's no resources out there. There is. There's several places. I know in the city of Ottawa, um, there is a, uh, a Jewish health center and it's on Carlton. I can't remember where exact, what's the exact address, but I'm going to actually post that resource there in the description. Mm -hmm. You get three free counseling, oh, sorry, therapy sessions wow. with a psychotherapist, three of them for free. And you can go in. And then there's also another one that's offered by the city of Ottawa as well uh, at another location as well. Three free sessions. And then after that, they'll point you to a right therapist, which is a good fit for you and actually have that work. So you can't just say that there isn't help out there. There mm -hmm. is. But you also have to look at it like this. You're an investment. If you invest in real estate, you invest in stocks, bonds, 
or even if you invest in your physical health, right? You want to be physically healthy. You invest in buy better groceries, right? (laughs) If you want to be also physically healthy, you would invest in a gym membership or even go even further to invest in a personal trainer, right? So why not do that with your mental health? Because with your mental health, if you don't have your mental health, how are you going to operate, right? And that's what a lot of people need to understand, which is very important because guess what? You can't get out of bed if you're depressed most most times because you're depressed, right. right? You can't function properly. Like somebody who's bipolar, they cannot finish tasks because in a certain set of days, they'll be high energy for four straight days. And then mm-hmm. their mood shifts. Same thing with somebody who is a borderline person has a borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. but that shifts in in hours, minutes, seconds. Your mood can shift. So there are resources and there's ways that people can get treatment. And I know Elijah Marie, you have some resources there. You're going to list I off as well. Sure do. Um, there, um, the one of them it's Beacon Mine, and this is for Ontario um, residents only. And the other one is um, people of Caribbean, East and West Africa origin of Ontario. And they really specialize like the 60% increase. They acknowledge 60% increase of psychosis, right? And also um, my resources, which, you know, it's a division. It's two division, actually. And it's scriptural life coaching application specific to Christians. And the other one is just life sorry, life coaching application um, without any religion. It's affordable just to get you started because you have to start in order to know where you're going, right? And um, and uh, I would I guess he'll put the um, my email address in the description. After. Absolutely, absolutely. So the closing quote for the day, Russell Wilson: If we start beginning. On being sorry, if we start being honest with about our pain, our anger, and our shortcomings, instead of pretending they don't don't exist, then maybe we'll leave this world a better place than we found it. So, all I have to say, you have a responsibility. You owe it to yourself to achieve your purpose. Because you do have purpose. You have seeds of purpose and now you can water it with taking responsibility for your own health and wellness. And don't let anyone stop you from doing that. I just recently started cycling. So on the weekends, I cycle like 28 miles, you know, and it's something as simple as that. Spend time with yourself, get to know yourself and ask for help when you need it and also what is a way that people can contact you oh restore dot email at g sorry restore dot you at gmail.com thank you so much for coming on so that's elijah marie but what about me what about d'angelo valentine so for those who don't know i have a youtube channel called after dark it's spelled a-f-t-r-d-r-k only valid is the a and that's where i talk about the all black lifestyle beard stuff man stuff the whole shebang and then if you want to know about me a little bit more on the instagram space you can follow me there d.aftrdrk and that's a little bit stuff that happens personally what happens 
behind the scenes, what happens for YouTube podcast stuff. And if you're just listening to this for the very first time, make sure you follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any podcast platform. It's spelled U-N-P-L-G-D. The only vowel is the U. Thank you so much for listening. My name is D'Angelo Valentine. Peace.